This morning, uh, David is going to be helping us uh, as believers to exercise our joy. One of the things that I hear a lot um, in talking to people is that they struggle with feeling joyful. Um, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, I may have some times when I'm, I'm happy here and there, but the Bible talks about this joy of the Lord like over and over and over again. And I just, I just struggle with that. I just, I don't feel like that's something that, that I really have all the time or any of the time. And David is going to kind of help us to understand um, some of the things we need and, and what you might find from this passage. And, and there's a lot of reasons why you might be struggling with joy. Okay, hear me. This is not a silver bullet kind of sermon of this is the one thing you need to do. But David is going to bring up some things that we need to be doing that will complete our joy as believers and allow us to really enjoy him. And so David in this psalm is, is kind of recounting what the Lord has done for him. And that's, a, that's an important aspect of what we need to be doing as believers if we're going to have this joy. And for those of you who like to take notes, I'm going to kind of break this psalm up into five sections um, this morning. And so before we read it, as a church, I want to kind of give you those five sections, and then we'll kind of walk through this psalm together this morning. The, the first thing that we need to do as maturing believers is what we just did, right? We need to give thanks, and we need to praise God. And we see that in verses 1 and 2 in this psalm. The second thing we need to do is we need to put our trust in God. So we start by giving thanks and praising Him. Then we put our trust in Him. And we see that in verses 3 through 10. And then, third, we tell of God's deeds among His people. In other words, it moves beyond just me and into the corporate realm. We see that in verses 11 through 12. And then verse 4, or excuse me, the fourth thing that we see in this passage this morning, in this psalm, is to ask God's, for God's grace so God would be praised. We see that in verses 13 through 18. And then David finishes this psalm by asking God to not let man prevail. And he's crying out and asking God to intercede, to bring his justice. And we're going to look at that this morning. But as been our custom, now this is a longer psalm, so I need you to pace yourself, okay? Um, and for those of you who are visiting to see the kids this morning, um, we as a church have been in the habit and the custom of reading our passage together as a church. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, and I want you guys to be a part of that. So we're going to put it up on the screen. And we're going to read through Psalm 9 together as a church as best we can in unison. All right? So let's go. Starting verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. 
For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted up. The very memory of them has perished. But the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established this. My fault messing up. And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the people with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the peoples his deeds. For he who avenges blood is not mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pit that they made, in the net that they hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. Egyan Selah. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are men. Selah. Amen. So this passage in this, this psalm, and in some Bibles, uh, Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 are actually one psalm. Um, and that is because of the Greek translation of the Bible. This is, is an interesting psalm in the way in which it is constructed because it is an acrostic. The first letter of every line represents a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so when you put 9 and 10 together you have the entire Hebrew alphabet. And this would have been a great teaching tool, if you think about it, for Jewish kids, right? If they sit there and they learn through these two psalms, they're learning the entire alphabet in order. And so in some of your Bibles, and maybe the Bible you have, this is actually Psalm 9 and Psalm 10 are together. Um, the, the version, the ESV that we go along with, follows the Hebrew translation, which was before the Greek translation, um, and it breaks it up into two separate psalms. But it's, it's interesting the way this is crafted, right? It, it's, it's almost like David is, is putting a teaching tool together for children, which again, I mean, I think it's appropriate that it's this morning that would be the morning we would cover this particular psalm. And, and David is, is helping people in this psalm to understand where their joy should come from and how that joy can be made complete. And he does that, again, like I said, in five ways that we're going to look at in the psalm. First, he gives thanks and praises God in verses 1 and 2, right? Oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouths 
or excuse me, I'm reading verse, chapter, ugh. I'm reading Psalm 8. That's, that's how my brain is this morning, guys. I, please forgive me. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. David is calling himself, he's, he's reminding himself, when, when you're struggling with joy, it's typically in a moment when you don't feel like wonderful deeds are happening to you, right? That, that's typically when we're struggling to have happiness and joy. It's because we're looking around going, the world's falling apart. I've lost my job. I, my family's moving out. I, I, I. And David says, stop. Slow down and recount all of his wonderful deeds in, my, in, in life and then give thanks for those things. I, I often tell people uh, that struggle with this when, when I'm counseling to to create a, a jar of memory and just take, take a little you know, post-it note or piece of paper and every time the Lord delivers, every time the Lord comes through, every time the Lord does something, write it on that little note, fold it up, and stick it in a jar. And then on those days when you're struggling, when you're wondering, is the Lord going to come through? Is he going to deliver me? You can dump that jar out on the table and you can sit around as a family and, and you can read all of the ways in which God has personally delivered you. Not just all the ways God has delivered his people in the past, but how he personally delivered you. One of the ways that you can have that continuing, ongoing joy in your life is by recounting, by recalling all of the wonderful deeds that the Lord has done for you up until this point. And David is calling us to do that. Now, I want you to understand, though, his, his praise, it, it has an intellectual component, right? He's, he is remembering those things. And, and it is a rational retelling of, of a historical reality. He, he wants to call to mind these things that have happened. So there is that aspect. But praise is not just an intellectual thing. It's an emotional thing. If our praise is only something that happens in our thoughts, we are missing the heart response we should have when we see what God has done. And we see that in the second aspect of what David is doing in this first section here, right? He's then giving praise to God. He, he's singing out. This, this is a song to be sung in church. And so when we come together, you might be wondering, why, why do we sing these songs every week? Well, we do it because it's one of the ways in which our joy is made complete. By, by praising Him. By exalting Him. That, that's why we sing every week. That's why you should sing every week. Again, some of you may be struggling with that joy. and It may just be you're not singing. You're not praising. You're not weekly allowing this means of grace of corporate worship of coming together with God's people and singing together with God's people the praises and recounting all of the things that he's done for you this week and, and as you read the lyrics to these songs and you're thinking about the specific ways that he delivered you this week right when we sing songs about deliverance don't just think about all the ways that he delivered Israel. That may be the example of the songs, but you be thinking about all the ways that he delivered you this week, this month, this year. And we, we make that personal. We give thanks and we praise God. 
Guys, when we do that, it, it, it becomes way less about the songs we sing and way more about our heart and where our heart is. Second thing that we should do is we should put our trust in God. We see that in verses 3 through 10. First, David is praising God for delivering him personally, right? Verses 3 through 4, When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. So David is, is reminding himself that I can trust God because God has saved me personally. That, that God is at work, actively working in my life. But not just David's life. David then goes on to praise God for the justice of rescuing his people. You see that in verses 5 through 8. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemy came to an end and came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. Right? David is recounting the victories of the battles that have happened when people tried to attack Israel. Right? He goes from the personal, it's, it's, it's about me and what God has done for me, to then the corporate. It's about what God has done for the nation. See, David is rehearsing these things because he's reminding himself that I can trust in God. That, that I can put my trust in you because that trust is founded. In verses 9 through 10, the Lord is a stronghold for the impressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. For those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O oh Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. The third thing David praises God for is judging all of humanity with true and real justice. God is the only hope for the oppressed. Now, we, we have people out there every day that say they are fighting for the oppressed. And some of them are. Some of them are working silently in the shadows. You wouldn't even know they were there. Rescuing people. I think about the international justice team that, that goes in and rescues sex workers in various countries that have been kidnapped from their families and forced into human trafficking and sexual slavery. And this group goes in and rescues those people. It's a Christian-based organization. And, and they go in and they work, and, and you, you prob most of you probably never even heard of them. And that's the way they like it. They're not, they're not doing it to draw attention to themselves or to get fame. They just want to get the job done. And then there's a lot of other people who claim to be helping the oppressed and talk about it a whole lot, but don't actually do anything. And as human beings, you know, I, it's hard for me to tell sometimes which is which. But I can rest and I can trust the way David rests and trusts in the fact that God is ultimately going to take care of the oppressed. That his justice is just. 
Again, this reminds David, this is why I can put my trust in God. That no matter how it it looks in the world right now, no matter how things are going on right now, I can trust that God is going to ultimately side with the oppressed. Third, David, this is the first time David is charging you to do something in the book of Psalms. Sing praises to the Lord. That, that's his charge to you. This is the first time. I don't know if you've noticed that, but all of these psalms have been about David and, and the response, and, and the, again, all things we can learn from that, but this is the first time in which David is saying, do something. And the thing he says to do is sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds. Share what God has done for you. Now, you, you might be sitting there thinking, especially if you're not a believer, why in the world would a God who's all-powerful be asking for his people to praise him? That, that seems a little petty. That, that seems a little, you know, beneath him. He has everything. Why would he want us to praise him? And I get that. I understand that. Because when, when we think about people who want to be praised, those aren't typically people we want to hang around with. Right? You, you know those human beings. They're, they're fishing for compliments the whole time. They're, they're, they're humbly bragging about all the things that they've done so that you'll be like, ooh, ah, that's amazing. Right? And we don't want a God like that. I don't want a God like that. So why is he doing it? Well, here's the thing about God. God is good. Not God does good things. God is good. Therefore, everything he does is good. There must be a reason for him to ask. And let me give you the reason. Your joy is not made complete until you praise and God knows that about you. You get something new and shiny, and you really like it, and you love it. I mean, you just love it. You get Maybe it's a new phone. Maybe it's a new laptop. Maybe it's a new car. When is your joy complete? When you use it or when you tell somebody about it? If you're honest, it's when you tell somebody about it. Because you can enjoy it all you want to yourself, but there's still something missing, right? And so you got to tell somebody about it, right? Guys, you get that new boat. It's a great boat. You love that boat. I was just at a graduation party yesterday, and this guy had, had just acquired a new boat. He hadn't taken delivery of it yet, but he had lots of pictures to show us, right? He hadn't even got the boat yet. And he wanted to complete his joy by telling everybody at the party about the new boat he just got. Right? Because that's how we are as human beings. Our joy is completed when we praise. And God knows that about you and me. And so God commands us to praise him. Why? So that our joy would be made complete. 
This is why so many people struggle with having joy in the Lord. Because they accept the Lord, they receive the Lord, and then they don't say anything about the Lord. It's just me and God. And, and, and then they struggle with, why, why do I not feel the joy of the Lord? Well, because you're not completing it. You complete it by praising Him and recounting His wonderful deeds. Let me give you an example. From my life this week, Tuesday. I had to drive to Jacksonville to do some counseling observation over there, the counseling center in Jacks. And I was traffic running late, and I looked down at my gas gauge, and, and a little design flaw of the, of the Kias is when you get to 30 miles till the end of your gas tank, it just goes off, and it just puts three lines. And, and I guess that's to give you a sense of urgency. It doesn't work for me. It might work for other people, but it doesn't work for me. So I'm doing the math on my GPS going, okay, it's 18 miles to the counseling center. It says 30 miles, and it's fixing to go off. I got, I got plenty. I could, I could get there, right? Because I don't want to be even later, right? So, so I drive straight there, and I'm like, all right, Dale, don't forget. Don't forget. Get gas right when you leave. Well, you know, I get in the car, and inevitably, somebody calls me, and they need help with something. So I get to talking to them, and I'm driving out of Jacksonville, right? And it hits me about the White House exit. I never got gas. I, I got to get off now. Now, the White House exit is an exit to where you exit off the uh, I-10, you curve around, and all of the gas stations are to the right, not to the left. So you have to go up over the overpass and then come down to the gas stations. I get off the overpass, and I'm praying the whole time fervently like I've never, you know, it's, it's, I've been, I'm praying hard like, Lord, I know I'm stupid. I know I'm stupid, but you are good. So just get me to this gas station. About the time I go to go up that overpass, boom, the car shuts off. Now, Amber thinks I'm crazy for this, but I've been training for this my whole life. <laughs> I used to would, like, pull onto my road at night, put my car in neutral, and see how long I could coast until I got to my house, right? So, so God has been preparing me for years for this moment. So I, I turn on my flashers because, I mean, I, I can't really do anything, but I'm like, I've got to get to the apex of this hill. So I'm like, Lord, just get me, get me to the top of the hill. Well, at the bottom of the hill, there's a red light, and I didn't, I didn't remember that. So I'm waving people around me as I'm like in the side median. And I'm just, I'm like, Lord, please. You know what I'm thinking? Like, I'm going to have to flintstone this thing and put my foot out. Get to the top. I'm like, yes, I got to the top. Oh, and the light turns red. Well, then, again, I'm thankful I'm in my Kia and not in my truck because there's a tiny little emergency lane. And I'm like, I can't stop. The momentum is in my favor. I have got to keep going. So I am coming down. And right about the time I get to the bottom, the light turns green. And I'm able to kind of slide in, slide right into that little dailies or whatever gas station that is. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I got one shot at this. I need a pump. And surely, boom, the pump I needed was open. Guys, God got me to that gas station. <laughs> he saved me. He delivered me this week. And you know what? I'm praising him for that. That's that's what he's calling us to do here. This, that makes me joyful. 
to know that my Lord delivered me in something, again, my own stupidity. But yet the Lord delivered me. My joy is made complete when I share it with other people. Some of you are here this morning and you struggle. You're like, I don't have the joy of the Lord. It's because you're not sharing what he has done for you. You're not praising him. You're not coming to church worshiping and singing of the goodness because you struggle to sing because you don't recount his goodness. You don't recount all of the ways in which he has brought favor to you. To God's purpose, we see in verses 11 and 12, is, is to bless the whole world, not just Dale, not just you, but to bless all of us. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Even if you're in the midst of affliction, he is our only hope. The fourth thing that we see in this psalm that David is calling us to do is to ask for God's grace so that God would be praised. Again, David's first petition there in 13 through 14 is be gracious to me. It's about delivering him personally. And then David, second, he moves to ask God to make himself known in the world by bringing justice in the course of everyday life in verses 15 through 16. See, God's providence is his rule in, in the everyday, ordinary events of life. And God doesn't, David knows this about God, God doesn't just save his judgment for the end. Right? It's not as if God is just storing up all of this judgment and then this judgment will come at the end on this one day. No, judgment comes every day. We've, we've talked about this with some of the other Psalms. God is not mocked because sin carries its own punishment. There, there is a justice that comes from it. Right? You, you think about the people who are violent. Right? Maybe, maybe it's, you know, you guys watch movies and TV shows. Maybe it's the gangsters that you watch, and, and they're violent, and they're ruthless. How do they normally die? Violently, right? And, and you, you think about people who are, are greedy, and, and they suffer their whole life with discontent because it's always one more job. How many times have you seen that be the theme of a movie about thieves? Just one more job. Right? I just, I just got to get one more. But it's never enough. They live in this constant state of needing one more. Or those, sadly, who view pornography. And, and they ruin their own sex life with their wife. Right? Their sin has punishment. It has consequences in their everyday life. People who gossip. They tend to find themselves all alone. They like to talk about everybody else, but nobody wants to be around them because eventually people learn they're gonna, if they talk about other people, they're going to talk about me too. And so people begin to pull away and they become isolated. God's justice is also weaved into the fabric of everyday life. And David is, is calling for that justice so that God would be praised. And then finally, in the last two verses, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men.
David asked God to remind us that to, for God to put man in his place. This week I had to do a funeral for a friend of mine's mother. And there's nothing like a funeral just to remind you of how small we are. And, and how much we are not in control. Those are, those are moments in life in which we are reminded that God is God and that we are not. And it, and it saddens me doing funerals for the last 15 years, just, just how few people Come. I was actually surprised at how many people came to this funeral this way. It, it really stood out to me because there were so many people there for this woman. Because most people don't, they don't want to be reminded of death. They don't want to be reminded of how small they are. They don't want to be reminded that God is much bigger than we are. And so I've noticed this trend over the years of just less and less and less and less people coming to funerals because they don't want to be reminded of this truth that God is God and that we are small in comparison to him David in this psalm is calling us to mature in our walk with Christ by responding to God in these five ways, giving thanks and praise to God, putting our trust in God, telling God's deeds among the peoples, asking for God's grace so God would be praised, and asking God to not let men prevail. This morning, maybe, maybe you're one of those people that I was talking about at the beginning of the message, and you struggle with feeling joy consistently in your life. I want to challenge you to put these things into practice to help you mature and grow in your faith. And maybe, maybe you struggle with praising Him and giving thanks. Maybe you struggle with telling other people about His good deeds. Maybe you struggle with even telling yourself and reminding yourself of all of the good deeds. Find some method, find some system that works for you. I know one family in the church that, that has a rock jar and, and they put a rock in it for every time God delivers them so that they can again take that out and just recount all of the ways that God has delivered them. And if you look back at the Old Testament, there's some strong biblical evidence for this, right? God is constantly telling the nation of Israel to do what? Pile up a bunch of rocks right here so that every time you pass by, you'll remember how I delivered you this day. So find, find something that works for you that can help you remember, especially in those moments when you are struggling to see his goodness and to see how he's going to possibly deliver you. But being able to, to not only opening up his word, this is, this is a great resource, but to also personally, like David, he's, he's personally recalling how God has delivered him, 
by, by you being able to personally open up and reading your own words. It's funny, I, I, you know, I tell people to journal all the time, but I'm horrible at it, just being transparent with you. But you know when I journal? When things are bad. And so it's funny, like when things get to be bad, I, I'll start to journal again, and I'll flip back in my journal, and I'll read all the other bad times. But what that does is it reminds me of, man, I was so worried about that, and God brought me through that. I was so upset about that, and yet God delivered me of that. Find a system that works for you. And maybe in your small groups this week, that's something you guys can be talking about of, of how do you do this? How do you, how do you practice this? How do you live this out practically? And then I want to encourage you as you get together in your small groups, but also as you go back to work, as you get around your family, share how good God is. Talk about it. Let your joy be made complete by praising him. I promise you, if you do those things regularly and consistently, you're going to see that level of joy in your life increase. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is so practical and relevant in helping us follow you and grow in our relationship with you. And Father, this morning, I, I pray that if there is anyone here that doesn't know you, they, they can't praise you, they can't recount your deeds because they don't have a relationship with you, they don't know you, God, that this morning would be the morning that they would put their trust in you. Confessing their sin and their need for a Savior and turning from that life to a new life of following you and walking with you. And Lord, for those of us who have been believers for a while, but if we're honest this morning, we, we struggle with joy. We struggle with, with feeling that joy in our hearts day in and day out. God, I just pray and ask that your Holy Spirit would convict us and show us if, if these aspects that we talked about from Psalm 9 are, are contributing to that lack of joy and if so we would confess that lord and we would repent of that and we would turn away from that lord and begin to praise you to recount your wonderful deeds to put our trust in your deliverance god father i ask all these things in jesus precious name amen